Hey everyone, welcome back to Strength and Vulnerability. Uh, as you can see, we have a little bit of a new setup here. Um, I'm actually in person with my good brother Kareem, the Rhythmic Skywalker. Um, another good brother here in Tulum, and yeah, I think this is going to be a, a really cool episode, so I'm excited for this. Everything is just in flow, and we're here in person with with uh, just each other's energy to be present with. So, yeah, this is a beautiful place we're at. This um, this place, it's Khan, is the name of it? Yeah. Khan, yeah. Really cool place. The energy here is absolutely very peaceful and uh, very beautiful. And uh, happy to be here in this space and with my brother recording, uh, yeah, just a magical episode I think this is going to be. So thanks for taking the time and the space, offering this and co-creating this conversation together. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I think when we first met, probably seven, eight months ago sometime, uh, I knew that there was probably a conversation in store, uh, more a deeper understanding to, to know about each other. And I've been looking forward to this. So thank you for this opportunity and for coming here and for it to be here in this uh, quiet, tranquil space in which, of course, I feel most comfortable. Um, but I, I've been looking forward to this for a while, so thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, man. You're welcome. Yeah. Strength and vulnerability. I think people, people who aren't uh, conscious to it tend to think that they are on opposite ends of the spectrum, but the truth is, is that they are adjacent to each other. Mm -hmm. They support each other. Mm -hmm. The ability to be strong is to understand the vulnerability in oneself and to be vulnerable Vulnerable is the epitome of strength. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's something that's close to me uh, because of my own experience. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we hear so much in, in spirituality and, and personal development and all this work that from the outside we hear it and we're like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, that, that sounds true, but there's you know it seems like there's a few there's only a few things that we truly experience and like we embody and that's you know we get the understanding through that and you know for me personally just showing up vulnerably has shown the strength and the connection that I've made with other people just by really just being vulnerable and talking about you know my process the things that I'm going through and I've just noticed how easily I'm able to connect with others being in those vulnerable places and uh, it's what inspired this podcast. And I'm sure that, you know, many listeners and many of my guests, you know, relate to that as well, just like you're saying. Um, so I'm curious, man, what is, what's going on with you in life? And what's, uh, what are you most excited about? What are you working on? Hmm. Most excited in life right now is the possibilities of the future. Uh, I'd say not too long ago, if, a year or two ago, things didn't look as promising as, as things might seem. And for me, my change and transformation in life happened just about five years ago. Uh, the unraveling of all that we know or understand to be ourselves and what our lives should be like and, and how things are supposed to be kind of just all crumbled for me. Mm. And um, so I had a couple years of training I guess getting ready and prepared for for the inevitable the unknown and the changing of 
how we live. So um, I was able to emerge from that in this new world that we have where the ability to do anything really comes from our will and drive inside. And it's less about being told that you can't do this and you can't do that. And it's whether or not you choose to decide whether you can or can't do something yourself. So for me, the things I'm most excited about are sharing with other people, sharing with others who are experiencing life, what I've experienced, the lessons that I've learned, things that I've gone through so that they don't need to go through those same struggles. I think a lot of people are starting to learn that we can really learn from each other's experiences more. We can actually uh, have a have an experience just by understanding someone else's experiences and not need to go through the hardship and the struggles and the, and the issues and problems that others have. And then we can also see the beauty and the joy and the love and abundance that others are experiencing. And we can see that we can also experience that. Whereas maybe some years ago, people felt like they couldn't experience something. Some things were outside of the scope of their possibility and their and the boundaries to that seem to be falling away. So I also look forward to continuing to provide experiences for people where they can have and share with others in a community and in a safe environment, an environment where they can just be themselves, where they don't have to put any pretenses on to be some type of societal image and participate with each other with some kind of expectation of give and take, where they can just be and providing experiences where people can be in that comfort zone um, has enriched my life exponential. I've done a lot of that in Miami and do some community building here in Tulum, putting together people that need to meet each other and connect with each other at places. And, of course, this place. Looking forward to helping manifest and create this place to be a place where people from around the world can come and have experiences like spiritual experiences people aren't expecting to have they just think they might be going on vacation but then they come to this very strange new city being built and emerging out of the Yucatan Peninsula and, and being exposed to different people and energies and, and ways of thinking and having a safe and secure environment where they can integrate all of that and have this communal relationship with the other people that are staying in the same place and see that the world is filled with extreme opposites but that we're fundamentally all the same when we peel away all the layers mm -hmm. and spreading the love and truth of plant-based compassionate eating and living and, and how that has transformed my life as being a vegan and and sharing the understanding of it, that it's not a practice and it's not something we try to do. That when we're trying to be consciously compassionate about what we make our body of, it's a struggle. But when we, when we start to understand and look around our environment and the world all around us and we know that everything is us and we are everything else, then it's a lot easier to, to be in a state of grace and how we interact with the world around us. Mm -hmm. Those are most of the things that I'm passionate about and looking forward to. 
beautiful bro that's yeah that's that's amazing work and, and i love i love the i love all of what you said um and i don't i don't think i've had a conversation about diet or vegan on, on my podcast at all so mm-hmm. i'm kind of interested to maybe go in that direction for a moment um and, and i love how you related it to being conscious of all, all things on earth and that we have this relation to this ecosystem um, and that was one of my remembering back on my journey going you know vegan slash vegetarian was like one of my big vulnerable things that I really stepped into and um, really kind of just shifted and didn't really care what uh, you know what people around me thought about it um, and was proud to just just be that and, and embody that that love for you know living things because um, when I at the time that I went vegan I was living you know in the country I just think I was still living at home um, so you know it was a lot of just fast food and meat and that was just kind of the normal in the country you know was to have um, you know meat and potatoes and uh, you know another vegetable and some bread so when you don't you know it's, it's a weird shift you know mm-hmm. not having that meat in the, in the diet anymore um, so yeah I would love to hear a little bit more about you know what um, what really inspired that and how it's kind of connected with you and kind of propelled you into your own journey of self-love and love for uh, you know the rest of the rest of the world absolutely well my <clears throat> my journey into plant-based diet and being vegan was I mean just like everyone else it's a lifelong journey it's a multiple lifelong journey really um, before five actually before three years ago I was the biggest meat eater you would ever come across I worked in restaurants and hospitality my whole life 23 years and the last five of them were in a steakhouse and I mean even at home I would eat meat six days out of the week and then you know like steak for the most part and then chicken the other day or fish and I would cut my own sides of beef, get whole side racks of ribeye or near strip, whatever, and slice them, cut them myself, and and um, roll whole, roast whole baby pigs, roast whole pigs in my backyard. This was four years ago? This was four, four, four years ago. Okay. And uh, said everything in the book, you know, I'll never be vegan, vegan this, it's that, it's... You know, just being full of shit, Uh honestly, and having every excuse in the book to not want to look at myself and say, well, you know, your whole life you have felt inside that eating meat is wrong and eating animals or whatever is wrong, but like everyone else, they say it tastes so good. Mm -hmm. It's the taste is so good. The funny thing is, this is the same thing a cannibal says. And it's the same thing people address when a dog bites a human. And they say, you got to put this dog down now. It's got the taste of human in it. But then we look at a cow or a chicken or some bacon and we're like, oh, it tastes so good. I really wish I, I could go. I, I really want to go vegan, but it tastes so good. And this is the actual definition of carnal pleasure. To have your basest desire being what rules you. 
and we go about every day looking from one meal to the next. We have a meal. What do we have for lunch? I just had breakfast. What are we going to have for lunch? Do we have dinner reservations? Where are we going? Okay, cool. Oh, man, I want a burger. Oh, yeah, a burger. I want bacon and egg and cheese. That's five lives right there. Cow. Dairy is two, the mother and the, the calf. You got the meat that made the burger. You got your egg. That's a chicken and the hen. And then you got bacon. It could be more than that if it it's, could a, be if it's ground beef. If it's ground it beef. It could be like six cows. It could be like one. six cows, you know. Maybe maybe a rat off the floor. So the thing, And the thing is, nobody <laughs> ever thinks about that. They just see a burger. And there's this huge disassociation between what we eat and what actually is. Like, we don't even look at, at meat anymore as an animal. It's, it's a product, you know. It's, mm -hmm. it's something that we buy in the store. And my true beginning of my transformation came when I lost everything in my life. And that happened five years ago. I was in a, a magnificent, beautiful relationship with the girl of my dreams for nine years. And we were engaged and we lived together and we built a life together and we planned on having children and everything and building a future in our minds and in our hearts together and, and a career focused on that. And then uh, one Saturday she went to work and she fired an employee and he couldn't cope with losing what he thought was his whole world. He didn't know how to deal with anything. He didn't know how to breathe. And the stress of life crumbled all around him. And he went to his car and he got a gun. And he went back inside and he shot her in the head. Because someone couldn't lose their job. And this is what we're all doing here now. Is we're learning how to cope with the stress of life. Everyone in the world is seeing that life is pretty stressful and no one's really given them any tools on to how to deal with it. Everyone's given them drugs and prescriptions and counseling to give them more drugs and prescription and feed them with food and fill them with alcohol and social media that just makes people feel like shit or things that weaken people's constitution towards their own self-image. So they have to keep on seeking something outside of themselves to validate, validate themselves. So they find something, they attach themselves to it. They give their entire life to it. And then when that's removed, then they don't know who they are. Now, I also went through the same process. The moment that everything in my life was destroyed and taken away. Who am I now? Who am I if I'm not this man who was living towards this life and this expectation and this dream and this love and relationship and all these things? Who am I? I didn't even know who I was. I look in the mirror, didn't even know who I was anymore. And that was the beginning of a two-year journey to rock bottom where I would just feed myself with my coping mechanisms, which was food and alcohol and some drugs, but mostly alcohol. And understanding, you know, really trying to come to an understanding because the real question I had in my mind this whole time was how could someone do this? 
you know, how could someone just go and destroy life that took many, many, many lives to create and to build and affected so many people just because they lost their job. And, uh, I mean, I didn't go back to work. I couldn't go back to work and live in and work in a restaurant and just, you know, pour people wine and ask them how their, how their day is going and how's their night when my whole world had crumbled. But it took two years to get to rock bottom. And that was pushing everyone away and drinking and trying to continue in this dream that if I just pretend everything's okay, maybe I'll wake up and just be a bad dream. But that didn't happen. And finally, after two years of drinking and eating and eating and drinking and being angry and bitter and friends and loved ones being there for me and trying to help me, and I just finally pushed them all away. You know, I got so drunk that I embarrassed my best friend in his restaurant and got myself kicked out of my own hangout and woke up the next day not even remembering what happened. I didn't remember how I got home or anything. And then my friend told me. And then someone else told me what happened. And I started to remember. And I come to this awakening of immense shame. Mm-hmm. You know, becoming the person that uh, hated the most, the one who projects their problems onto everyone else and just dishes it out and doesn't look at themselves and reflect on what they need to change. So I did like a quick pro and con of alcohol in my life, and it was very lopsided. There's a lot of great things that happened in my life, but it's very lopsided. And I decided then and there, I was like, well, if I can just clear out some of this negative, maybe some more positive will come in. That was the last time I ever had a drink that night. Just cold turkey after a relationship of, I don't know, 25 years maybe. And uh, and after a couple weeks, I started to feel better. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll just uh, eat some salads and drink some protein shakes. I did that for a little while, started to feel better, and then I was like, I'm just going to go on a liquid diet and just juice and maybe some shakes. Felt better. But I was still eating eggs and some fish here and there, and uh, a friend had invited me to go lobstering the first time. So we go out, we go lobstering, go on a boat, you go down into this other world. You go down there and you reach under these rocks. Scuba diving. Snorkeling. Snorkeling. Just snorkeling or free diving. And they're under these rocks are these beings and they're scurrying away from you and they're making noise and grunting and snorting to each other and you you snag them with a with a line, you put them in a net, and then you take them out of their world and you take them to your kitchen. And I'm in the kitchen of my house now. I'm looking at these lobsters looking at me snorting we're like having a conversation I'm like and I'm out loud I'm like I'm sorry like I'm sorry I'm sorry you know my sister and my best friend are in the other room they hear me and they're like we're sorry we're sorry thank you and so I I cook them serve us all and I take a bite and it's over overcooked and I'm just like all that for this 
for this moment of disappointment. You know? And then it's like, well, even if it was good, and I'm like, I'm going to eat it. I I keep eating it. I'm like, even if it was good, the end of it, it's over. That's it. Then what? What's the next one? What's the next thing? And uh, as I was eating it, I'm like, never again. Like, never again. And then I'm thinking, like, how can I kill something? How can I kill anything? After having experienced what I have to lose the most important person in my life, my world, everything. To take that from something else. Any, Any living thing has its own right and sovereignty to itself and to come along just because you have strength or might or technology or or anything that you tell yourself gives you a right over another is bullshit because the truth is if some huge enormous alien race showed up on earth they would look around at, at humans and be like oh well look at these animals they have all this community and they show emotion and they have relationships and interactions and they have language and intelligence. And then the, uh, another one comes over and he's like, yeah, there's a lot of food here. <laughs> and just because they have power and will, they can do whatever they want to us or with us. And it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that... And thank you for sharing all of that, I man. That's, that's uh, yeah, beautiful. I don't even want to say beautiful story, but it's, you know, it's just everything's it's, a story. It's, it's you, right? Yeah. Amazing experience, and um, yeah, but thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, deeply sorry for for that experience that, that you had to go through, and you know. I'm grateful to to know you and see the brother that you are today and the light that you're carrying from that. And I think that's personally, I mean, that's what we're here for is to take these experiences, you know, no matter how tragic or deep and turn those into something that we can you know, shine from and exactly what you're doing and, you know, helping other people to cope with, with the, the distress of life and our emotions and, you know, understand ourselves, understand this this meat suit that we're that we're trapped in. Um, you know, so things don't get to that volatility because it's you know, no one should have to to feel like that in life, you know. And I, the fortunate or unfortunate thing is that we all go through those, you know, emotions and we all, you know, feel those depths and those highs. And it's it, it comes with our ability to, you know, knowing how to navigate them. Um, and knowing how to process them and knowing how to use those energies and use those emotions for our strength and, um, you know, to be able to connect with others and learn and grow. Um, you were saying about like the, the alien, the alien race coming and kind of, um, manipulating or you know, harvesting energy from, from humanity. I feel like that's already happening. Mm. I feel like that's, um, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to point my finger and be like, this is what they're called. But there's definitely a intelligent um, collective out there that's controlling humanity, mm-hmm. um, and it's essentially our emotions. They're more intelligent than we are, and they know that they can harvest the energy that um, humans create when they're in fear. And I think it goes back to 
the uh, Robert Hawkins work with power versus force mm -hmm. and that, you know, we're innate, powerful beings, um, but we have to, you know, actualize that power and live in that power. And that's through love and the presence. Um, but if we're not, then there's other beings that, you know, can use the, the force to harvest the lower vibrations or the lower energies from us. And I think that's really, I think that's what is, is really going on here, you know, with all the, the pandemic and mm -hmm. the wars, everything, it's just all about control and, um, essentially a war on consciousness. But, um, but yeah, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're fighting with, um, with the light, you know, as cliche as that sounds, but it's just using, um, using our own emotional intelligence and our experience. Um, to to guide others, and that's exactly what Kareem was talking about when we started out with um, coaching and helping others. And I'd like to kind of move back into that um, and talk talk a little bit more about kind of what you what you experience um, when when you're you know coaching others or working with other people, whether it's group or private. Um, and maybe you know I usually ask kind of what emotions you feel around that because that's you know typically when I ask people what they're excited about what they're passionate about, like this, usually their life purpose comes up. And I think it's really, um, really powerful to also go into the emotions that we experience around our life purpose, mm -hmm. you know, because we live so much of our life of doing all the things that aren't really us. And we just kind of sit with it. And that's where most people are. They're just okay with that. And then some of us are fortunate enough and blessed enough to be able to move out of that matrix and move in and step into the person that we you know, we're being called to from you know our higher self or just our life purpose and we step into that but there's still like the ego that's there that is usually like you know oh, you're not good enough to really do that or you know what if you you know that that's not really a paycheck you know it's not you don't have guaranteed money it's more of a thing and there's all these things that come up around that so i'm curious to, to mm -hmm. kind of talk about that with you yeah well I had, I think like everybody, everyone battles with their life purpose and with accepting and embracing it. And that's the ego. You know, we, we've been conditioned to, to have everyone else think for us, for us, have everyone else tell us how we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to do and what it is we're supposed to do. And, you know, even, well, when we were younger, you'd take a test and it's like, oh, you're in this percentile, which means that you can be all these things and this and this and it's like well why you know why why do i have to take a test to tell me i need these things you know why can't i just feel like what they saw me do but the journey towards embracing our life purpose and really seeing what it is because it is is for the most part part of all of life that journey really it's like a game you 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 get to this point of understanding where it's time to choose your adventure. You either walk through the door to the unknown or you turn back and you keep on going down the road that you've been on, keep on living in that work life balance matrix where it's your own duty to find your work balance, your work life balance, right? What is that? work-life balance like hey guess what uh soul one two five eight seven a b four six 
you're going to work life. Like, do we choose to come on this journey to have a job, to, to put on a fabric suit over this meat suit and then check in and punch in and be like, I'm a grocery store clerk and I am, you know, a government official and I am a military general. And this, no, came here to experience came here to have understanding about what this world is and where it is we're from and to peel away the illusions, which all those things are. They're like these layers of costumes and this big play that we're all in. And the goal is to remove the costumes and to understand who we are. And what I found was people were starting to come to me. I was just living. I was just trying to figure my life out. I was just trying to keep myself together every day and, and strengthen myself and try to be the man who she always knew I was and could see in me that I couldn't even see in myself. To remember and to reflect upon the fact that someone believed in me more than I ever believed in myself. And to have faith in her because I believed everything you know, but people would start to come to me after a few years, after a few years of digging myself out of, out of the rubble of my own life, you know, it had basically, I also died in that moment too. The person who I was and the person who I was going to be died, doesn't exist anymore. That Kareem is gone. Different dimension of reality. And then from there, my life decomposed around me until the point where I hit rock bottom and I had enough. Like this is the, this is the bottom right here. Found it. Can't go any lower. And then that was ready when I was, that's when I was ready to make a change. And I said, I'm not, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do anything anymore. That act of will changes the energy in a body in a person, but in your body as well. Because we say, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do this, I want to do this in life. But we don't make any change. We don't make any effort. You know, we do a lot of talking. But the moment that I had let it go, it didn't have power over me anymore. People drink around me now and I'm like, I know, I know what I know what it is, I know what it does, I know what it feels and tastes like. I've had plenty, I'm good. That energy shifted in me something that other people then start to see and feel and willpower is what other people are attracted to we all have this energy that we walk around and you see someone and you're attracted to them but you don't know why and you're pulled with their energy and it's because they're able to use their own energy in a different way than you and so you are like pulled like a magnet to that we all see it people who are in in their beauty or who are embodying their greatest self, we see in them something that we want to see in ourselves. And then with that, my energy cleared up. So I was able to understand things more. I was able to see things better. I was able to, to take care of my body in a better way. And all of these things affects the energy centers in the body. Right. And we are, we're, we are like light bulbs. The more we can adjust our energy centers, the more output that light has. The more the light attracts others to see and to learn from. 
So people would start to come up to me and ask me questions about life, about about existence and about having advice in their own journey and what, what they can do and in, on all types of different topics. And I would ask myself, I'm like, why are they asking me? Like, who am I? Like, what have I done? You know, and we forget. We, we go on this journey in life and we forget about looking back and seeing all the things that we've been through. And we, we tell us these things like, oh, I'm not the story that, that people tell about me. No, I'm the story that I tell about myself. You know, and it's the story that other people tell about us that we always worry about. We're worried about what people think about us, what people say about us, what, what they're doing. When you forget about all that, when you forget about what they think, what others think, and you focus internally on what you think about yourself and how you feel about yourself, this is the real journey towards understanding. And when we take care of ourselves first, it's not being selfish. It's literally helping others because like, if I am off kilt, if I'm off center, if my energy is off, and now you're coming to me for help. You're coming to the wrong source. This is an energy source that isn't pure. It's not connected. It's not focused. It's not clear. And as I started to shift all my energy, and that was very much also has to do with diet, people would come to me and ask me for life advice and help and things like that and guidance. And after a couple of years, you know, I started, I finally got the message. I'm like, okay, this is not going away. This is what my life consists of. I can't even go and have lunch in a restaurant on a date with, with my girlfriend and like just have lunch. Like the waiter wants to ask me life advice. Doesn't know anything about me. Doesn't know me. Just says, man, you look like someone who, who might have some answers for me. And then just like lays out all this stuff. And we would just laugh and be like, because we're having a conversation about how this is happening everywhere. And then this continues to happen. So it was about embracing this in oneself, in myself, and accepting it. And, you know, it comes with a heavy responsibility. It's like when people are coming to ask me all these really important things and everything. And it's just accepting that this is where you are now in life. That all those experiences, all those choices, all those ways in which you try to find a way to better your life and to raise the the vibration of your energy is leveling up you're leveling up and leveling up doesn't mean that you're now standing on other people's heads it means you're standing on this very very thin lip of a ledge on a wall like this and now there's a sea of people down here and they desperately want to come up higher and they don't know how and you got to help them up. You know, the, the truth is, is that it's a journey of self-awakening and self-enlightenment. To, to go on a journey somewhere and think, I'm going to become enlightened one day and everything like that means it's external. It means you're looking for it somewhere. It's out there. It's in the world. You will never find it. You could, you could cross the entire world in a million lifetimes. You'll never find it. You've read The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. It's the easiest book to understand everything in the world. Kid goes off on a journey. 
come right back to the same barn he was in and find that all the treasures he wanted in life were always there where he grew up, where he was, where he started. It's inside himself. It's his understanding. Life is this journey of awakening. It's here that it all happens. Every emotion you feel happens in here. Every judgment you feel happens in here. When it happens outside, we're either projecting it or it's reflecting back to us. And the only way to find self-realization is to look within. And what is that? It's just coming to an awakening, an understanding. It's like, holy shit, I affect the world around me. People think the world around them just affects them. They affect the world around them. And embracing this power and this understanding is the, the key to living a self-standing life, to be sovereign. There are other elements in the world that still try to take your freedom and all these things or objectify you or make you feel small. But the truth is, is deep down, only you are in control. Only you can control how you feel about something. When we have other people as a scapegoat for that, it means that we're not in our power and that we're not in control of our life. And then usually that's when things unravel. It's deep stuff. Yeah, man. Um, so you're saying that the just to kind of to kind of re recap on what you said that the energy shifting the energy to committing to yourself and your self love, and it seems like it's almost pretty powerful that you're that it has to do with your diet and committing that love to everything else, mm -hmm. right? So it, it is it's for a selfish reason, but it's also in connection with the love that you have for all living things mm -hmm. and. And maybe like one of both, like the diet and also, you know, cutting out the alcohol in spite of it being kind of the social thing to do. Mm -hmm. So again, you're stepping away from what's normally accepted, maybe what um, your friend group is doing, what the community usually does, or just what you see around you and stepping into your own sovereignty and your own power, your own self-love. Also with the diet of, you know, like I said, it's the, the better help for yourself and then also not extracting and taking from from other lives mm -hmm. uh, which was probably also very impactful just because of your personal life situation so to make that commitment for yourself and having that connection to what happened to your partner and solidifying that this is the new journey for myself really kind of created that shift in energy which maybe not instantly made you magnetic but as you walked through that kind of intensified your your energy and the magnetic pool that you have um is that kind of a yeah, no, that's very, very good summation. One of the funniest things that I experience though in life now is people are like, oh man, your energy is so amazing, this and that. And the moment the V word comes up, like vegan, and I have a tattoo where they see it, uh -huh. and they see it, they're like, oh yeah, I don't know about that. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a reason. There is a reason. But I think the strongest, the strongest part about diet is well there's multiple there's multiple reasons is the first thing is energy right we take we take things that are external we internalize them jesus said this is my flesh this is my blood so a piece a piece of bread water this is my bread 
becomes my flesh. Mm. Water becomes my blood. What goes in becomes the body. Mm-hmm. What are you making of the body? Of what sacrifice are you making? Right? For yourself. Are you taking the sacrifice of your own carnal passions, the ones that drive you, the ones that are to go out and to hunt and to kill and to, to have this taste of meat and flesh in you and the smell of smoke and all this, oh, this good, mm, this is your sacrifice. No, that animal sacrificed. You made a sacrifice of this animal. You're feeding your passions. You're feeding your desires. You are not taming anything. You are not controlling anything. To say, I would no longer participate in taking from something else to become myself. Now this is a sacrifice. This is the sacrifice I make. That I will take the things that the earth provides in living form for me, out of itself. It grows fruits and vegetables. I'll make this my body. And my passions are what I sacrifice. My carnal desires, I sacrifice those because they don't control. Do you think it's it's that that separation between the sovereignty and the freedom that animals have that they can actually move freely across the the, the earth versus plants and vegetables? Because I, I've I know people bring this up facetiously, mm-hmm. but it's also something that I I wonder too because it's all life, right? It's all life. Right? But the difference is that. Fruits and vegetables are actually connected to the earth. Like as far as I know, there's nothing that can move freely. No, it's a fruit or vegetable. But insects, animals, they can all actually, they have enough sovereignty and freedom to move across the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's in, in your opinion, is it that kind of energetic um, transformation or that that next step up that kind of separate? You see what I'm saying? There's like a separate yeah. There's a, there. there's, a, there's a separation like. Everything has consciousness, right? Everything, Even elements, rock. rocks, right. yeah. everything has consciousness because everything is consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, a plant, like people are like, oh, plants have feelings. It's like, yeah, I didn't say go and cut that tree down to get the apple. You know, mm-hmm. like, like you said facetiously, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like fruits and vegetables that you eat, mostly they grow for the one season. Zucchini grows. It literally plucks off the plant. A tomato, an apple, like it falls when it's ripe. Like you're not killing the tree. You want to eat celery? You can cut that celery. You can plant it in the water. It's going to regrow, right? You can't cut the head off a cow and be like, let's watch it regrow. <laughs> you know, come back next season. Let's come back next season and see what happens. Yeah. See, this is this this whole field of dead animals. Oh my god, it's going to be going to be growing out of the ground. No, like. The, this is where you can start to see people's levels of consciousness though, with what they choose to fight an argument with. Plants have feelings too. Wow. Just like you are in for a very long, long struggle of a discussion right now, right? Because this is someone who is now projecting something they don't want to acknowledge and they're going to bring up something so ridiculous. Like plants have feelings, which plants have electronic responses, but they don't have a central nervous system. They don't have that. They don't have a brain that says, you just cut off one of my celery stalks. No, it's having an electrical response because it responds to external stimuli. An animal can interact with external stimuli. 
it can try to run away from you. Mm -hmm. I have a hatchet. This chicken knows I'm not coming to give it a hug. It's running away. Very different, very different type of context, context of relationship that we have with the world around us. But what happens most strongly is that before, when I used to eat anything I wanted, I was pretty sovereign. I was so sovereign I could eat anything. But the truth is I didn't have any willpower. I didn't have any boundaries in my life. You can look at, and not to get biblical, but I do, I'll, I'll reference anything that people have used and people talk about animals being in the Bible for our use. And it's like, well, not really. You open the first, first uh, chapter of Genesis and in the first book of Genesis, you see that we lived in the Garden of Eden and there were no slaughterhouses. There were no dairy farms in the Garden of Eden. We ate from the trees and from the plants. And that was the pinnacle of spiritual essence. When we were closest to God and we lived with God and we walked with God because we were aware and we could see all around us. It wasn't until the ego was formed, right? And we ate from the tree of knowledge and the awareness became duality. And then we said, oh, we're naked. We are separate. This is really understanding. We are separate now from the world around us. And ego is formed. And then everything degenerates from there. But we live our life and we eat our chicken and we eat our bucket of wings and steak. But around us, there's no boundary. And then I took on this diet to not eat animals. Now I had a, a boundary in which I said, this is a line I don't cross. This is, this is what defines me now. Is my body is only made of, of things that aren't willfully harming another. Whether or not something happened along the way, I can't change those things. I try to have the closest source of my food to me. But to define a boundary on oneself, it's willpower. Mm-hmm. This is what people are tested with when they're like, oh, being vegan is really hard. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, being conscious. It can be hard for a while when it doesn't click. But when it clicks, it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I would say just just for listeners from from my experience, um, what, you know, if you're interested in making that shift, one thing that helped me with that, uh, that self-discipline is just fasting. Mm. Because uh, it's going to be very difficult to go from, I say that, but I actually had a roommate, ironically, uh, when I lived in Nashville. And when I moved into the house, he was straight carnivore. Mm. And he would be, you know, 10 a.m., he's like stir frying a, a steak. And I lived upstairs just above the kitchen, so like all that smell yeah. would come right up into my room. And somehow I convinced him to go vegan. And he went from carnivore to vegan within one month. Just to try it. Like, he didn't stick with it, but he's like, he's one of those people that will just kind of do anything that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds like good. Let's try that. Um, I don't know how he did it. And I'm sure it wasn't great for his body to to adjust hard like that, but he did. He was carnivore when I met him, and then he went vegan for a solid month. Um, He mostly ate like oats and cereal because he didn't really know what to do. Mm, That's the biggest thing, too. But um, but yeah, I would say, I would say doing some type of fasting, um, whether you just start intermediate fasting or doing, um, like a juice fast or just a 24 to 48 hour water fast, just something that can kind of shock your mind so that every time that instinct comes in to go get food, 
you're not telling yourself, oh, well, I can't make anything because I'm used to eating meat and I have to just, like, what, I eat salads now. You don't have to go through all that, that storytelling. You can just be like, well, I'm fasting. And it's just that, mm-hmm. you know? And then when you come back to, to you know, ending the fast, kind of, you know, go through fr- fruits and vegetables and juices. Um, it's just kind of some, some of my experience of really what's helped me with the, the self-discipline and the food is through fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked a minute ago about being up on the ledge and um, people wanting to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give or do you typically give uh, maybe just through the waiter that came up to you or through someone that's a, a client? Um, what are what are some things that you, you would tell them to, you know, besides, you know, what we've been talking about with diet? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing, one of the first things to ask people is, have you ever been on an airplane before? Have you ever been on an airplane? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of them. So if the masks come down, what do they tell you to do? Put the mask on. Whose mask? Who's you put on first? Oh, oh, those masks. I thought you were yeah. talking about yeah, the, yeah. the COVID not, masks. Not the, <laughs> the, the oxygen mask. If the oxygen mask comes uh, okay. down, yeah. whose mask do you put yeah, on Yeah, they first? tell you to put yours on first. Why? I guess because if you passed out, then you're, before you put yours on, then you kind of sacrifice yourself. You can't help anyone else. Right, right. First thing you got to do in life, put your own mask on first. You got to take care of yourself first. You got to look in the mirror and wonder about how that person's doing. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't help anyone else. If you don't fix your own energy, you're fucking up someone else's energy. You don't fix your own problems. You don't look at yourself and how I can make myself better. How can I be a better person? How can I love more? How can I fix this world? Can't do anything out here. You're just a automated machine reacting to the experiences that happen to you throwing a tantrum or worse when things don't go your way. Being upset and angry that things didn't go my way. People don't understand me. People don't know. They don't know. Them, they, others. Mm-hmm. Gotta focus on you. When you focus on you, you get strong enough to climb up onto that ledge. And when you're strong enough to climb onto that ledge, it's very hard to just keep on climbing because you can see everyone else is down there too and they all want to come up. And the truth is the difference between someone who is self-realized and someone who thinks they're self-realized, someone who thinks they're self-realized is still in a selfish mode of being. It's not until you turn around you realize they are all me. I'm not going to leave me behind. I'm not going to forget about me that helped me because I kind of stepped on his knee to climb up here and he lent his shoulder and she pushed my hand up and forget about how maybe in this world, in this sea of consciousness of lower vibration, we all thought we were alone. But we were together and we we're all trying to find a way out. We're all trying to find that way out. And some of us do. Can't just leave everyone behind. Can't leave our other selves behind. And it's when you turn back and you become a source of light for other people so that they can find the way. They can come up onto the ledge and then help the next person onto the ledge to climb up 
and then you climb up higher, and then you help that person climb up higher. This is what is the difference between realization and actualization. Being the embodiment of compassion, love, and peace. And knowing that we're not alone. That's when you realize, oh shit, if I got hungry enough back then, I would have killed my own brother. And that's what they do out there. They make you look at everyone else as someone different. My neighbor, gotta make sure I keep an eye on him. He might come for me. He might come for my food. He might come for my family one day. We should add an extra lock on the door. Get a guard dog. Get the fence higher. Oh, our neighboring country over there, they might want something from us. They might want something from me. Yeah, they do. They want love. They want understanding. They want acknowledgement. Hey, I'm here. When you look back and you say, hey, I'm up here. Let's go. When you look back and you reach back down for them, that's when you're really doing something in life. Everything else, you're just making jobs. Real bro. Said. Yeah, I, I feel that um, helping others along along the journey, uh, and, and I, I feel like most people feel that too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, most people are inherently kind and giving, and they want to they want to help others. But I think from just from what I my observations of people that they get in their own way mm-hmm. and they there's a, there's like this fine line and maybe it's just the way we communicate it from being like selfish from a self-love standpoint or selfish from an ego standpoint and i, I see a lot of people there they let their ego get in the way um, before they can help others because they're afraid if they help this person then they'll get in front of them and it's still that that illusion of separation and seeing people as separate from them. Um, but when we come from the place of we are all one and, oh, I'm here and these are my brothers and sisters, these are me, these are my mirrors that I'm being called to help. Um, because we, we also know that consciousness affects consciousness. Mm-hmm. And the more that we do our work, just like we were talking about earlier, that people feel that magnetic that, that, that just that energy, the resonance that you, you have naturally. Um, the other people get that as well, right? Like we're all, we're, you know, we're all human. So the more people that we help um, and, and to give their own self-love and to, to show them uh, whatever it is that, that they need to be shown, the more that we amplify that. And we create this, this world that you know, we're all in a higher resonance with one another. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, it's the duality of, you know, our self-love, loving others, seeing a world that reflects more love for us. Mm-hmm. Um, in some places, maybe that's not true. You know, when I go back to the States, it's hard to, it's hard to feel that. It's hard to see that. Um, that's why I really enjoy just being here in Mexico and Tulum specifically, where there's just so much love and community and 
it's even people, I don't even have to really know the people here. Mm-hmm. And you just, you just feel that warmth that people have. Um, and maybe that's my own, that's maybe that's one of, one of my places or one of my things that I have to deal with. My, you know, part of my ego is, you know, going back home and being back in that old world and, mm-hmm. you know, not, a, not listening to the ego that I can't be as happy there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's part of it, or, you know, maybe I'm just being called here and it just, that's the, the difference in the energy. Um, so going back to kind of my question though, was like, what's, um, speci- like a specific piece of advice that, that you would give, give to someone, or maybe you could even frame this as like, um, a piece of advice that you would give to like your, you know, your 18 year old self. Hmm. Piece of advice I give to my 18 year old self. I don't know if we have enough time for that. <laughs> uh, forgive yourself. It starts with forgiveness, everything. Forgiveness leads to love, and love leads to gratitude. Mm-hmm. And gratitude leads to love, and love leads to forgiveness. It's like this cycle. But it starts with forgiveness because when you forgive yourself, you can understand that you're trying. You're doing your best, even at your worst, you were still trying and doing your best. And you didn't come, you didn't get handed a rule book and the guidelines of life when you walked in. And that's a whole part of it. It's about learning and learning through the experiences of it all. And when we forgive ourselves, we're able to see that we participate in our life. We have responsibility in it. And if we can forgive ourselves, we can forgive others. Most time we can't forgive others because we won't forgive ourselves for something. And we hold on to this one little thing. And because of that energy blockage, it keeps us from being able to forgive others. And that's where compassion begins. Like have compassion for yourself. You know, we, we beat ourselves up so much. And, and then we have guilt and shame. And those are the two things that really hold us back most in life. And, and then we project guilt and shame onto others. So forgiveness for me, my entire awakening began when I forgave the person who destroyed my entire life, destroyed the person I loved, destroyed an angel. I had to forgive him. How, how can I forgive him? Oh, well. I was sitting and meditating one day on an LSD journey, meditation, six hours straight, no moving, staring at a candle, peel my life away. It's about three months after having gone vegetarian. And I said, well, if karma is real, then that means that this happened because I did this. Because I did this to him and to her. I did it before. I started this cycle. And now this is the karma that I am experiencing. What now? Anger? Rage? And the cycle now. Forgive myself for having started it. Forgive him for playing the role he had to play, which undoubtedly his highest self didn't want to. But he had to be grateful for her sacrifice to give me a new life 
give me a, a, a life with an understanding that I never would have reached before. I wouldn't be here on this couch. And to be grateful to him and to love them and carry them with me and to love myself in this whole different world. So forgiveness. Forgive yourself when you try and you don't and you fail. Forgive yourself when you're struggling, when you when you feel like you don't have it in you. Forgive yourself. It's okay. Forgiveness is the key. It doesn't mean you go out and do shitty things and it's like, I'll just forgive myself later. Like, forgive yourself for the journey. That's my biggest piece of advice. Beautiful. Powerful, and yeah, I love how you, I love how you connected it to, to forgiving others, and uh, you know it's it's one and the same. It's a duality and the, the mirror, and you know when we, I think it's so true when we're not forgiving someone else, we are. It's truly just not forgiving ourselves for being in the situation that someone else did that to us, mm-hmm. um, and that's all a projection, you know, and the the, the power that that manifest when you take complete ownership, even, you know, one of the most tragic things that can happen in life. And you, you took complete ownership of it. And, you know, what the, the story that we tell, whether it's, you know, karma, however we label it, I don't think it's important. Mm-hmm. I think it's that transmuting that energy of that projecting to putting it on myself and then dissolving it with forgiveness and love. It's, transmuting all of that mm-hmm. and I pray that you know most people that are listening to this or that have to go through this is maybe a much lighter experience that they're having to deal with but that's literally what we're here for is to transmute this energy and raise consciousness and raise the, the vibration raise the frequency of energy um, and you know this isn't like esoteric stuff anymore this is what quantum physics is now studying and proving that everything is literally energy and energy is just basically particles of light moving and the higher these things can move, the faster that they can move, um, the more information they can contain. And this is our experience and this is how we can experience more love and more peace and more, I don't want to say knowledge, but it is like self-actualized knowledge of ourselves and the universe and how all of this is functioning is through raising our own vibration and containing more light and more energy. And it's so interesting that it's tied to, to the diet and the veganism as well, um, because we're when we're consuming plants, we're consuming a material that's much closer to light than than animals are. Yeah. Um, so it's just all, all, one, all one and the same. Um, I don't know what the time is because I don't have a clock or anything. So usually I try to stay around an hour. I feel like we're probably getting close to that. Um, so my if I, some of my, my wrapping questions, um, what is the type of future that you're visualizing for humanity? Um, maybe more so from like, I know we've talked more like an energy and a love purpose and maybe from like community. You know, you, you have, we have this place here that in Khan that you're talking about. I know you've, you've told me about some of the things that are coming here. So maybe just touch on that for a minute. Um, maybe we can use this specific community, this location as a, like an example of how 
maybe humans can live in harmony. Maybe it has to do with, you know, I'm kind of in the crypto world, so I see things from that lens of, um, you know, the, the economic systems and the financial systems of how we're moving away from money, so to speak, and just being able to, um, you know, tokenize, I don't really like that word, but it's essentially tokenized energy mm-hmm. and track value flow through communities and organizations um, in a sovereign way that you know, people can fully choose. And uh, yeah, so maybe you just, mm-hmm. just share a little bit about your visualization for, for humanity and where we're going. Well, I think that consciousness has reached a, a, a stage of a decision point now. And it's what we're seeing in the world with the whole quarantine factor and all these travel restrictions. And basically, life is being put to you as in it's for those who want to live it right now. If you want to accept that in the dimension of whatever city, state, country you're living in, we're living right now in this dimension in Tulum, where there are different levels of rules every day and different levels of thought processes that the majority of people are going through. And the thoughts that everyone in the area is thinking defines the energy level of everything, right? Well, here there's not this big use of masks everywhere, everything like that. So it's this fear rationale isn't as high here. But you go back home to the States or something like that, and it's all day, every day, it's beating away at people. And they're like, well, how can you be traveling? How can you go here? How can you do that? You know, can't, aren't you supposed to be home? Are you supposed to do this? It's like, well, I don't choose to do those things. No one is is like forcing me into my house and telling me I have to sit in my room and I can't go anywhere. Meanwhile, if I look at the internet, there's people in over here having a good time. There's people traveling to that place that people say I can't go to. I'm going to go. I'm going to decide to live my life. And there are going to be more communities and cities, I think, growing, new cities growing. I think Tulum is a new city that's growing into the world. It's going to be very large at one point. But like this space here at Cannes, it was developed by bringing in people with a certain uh, perspective and a certain vibe and very um, culturally diverse and artistic people. And it's going to attract people like that, that are looking for a very um, interactive experience with people that are like-minded or of higher vibration. And that's also what's happening in Tulum, I think. You know, there's a very big mix of different vibrational levels here. Um, but more of the higher conscious vibe is, is going to begin to emerge in certain places. And it's happening a lot here in, in South America and, and in Mexico. It's interesting that the it feels like the free world only exists here now. Um, this tokenization of and tokenomics obviously is the future of everything. And I think it gives people the opportunity to start thinking outside of the box in which they've always been told they have to conform. And that is that box is defined by religion, government, food, and money. And that box is controlled pretty much by all one source. Um, when we have, when you start to take, take all these things into, you, into your own hands and start to make your own society, then you don't have these restrictions. You know, you can, you can eat how you feel is best for you and you can exchange in a way with people that you feel is best for you and your communities and your world around you. 
So I think that crypto obviously is is the future or is the direction of the future of things. Um, when we create our own value and we're able to trade that with people, that's where the first forms of commerce came from. And then it, it formed into this other aspect of promissory notes, which is where money is now. And that exists in the old world, you know, where we're from back in the States and back in these countries that are now fighting over land and resources. But really what they do is they generate, they generate jobs and debt, right? The earth, it was like, it's like a bicycle, a person riding a bike. And, you know, Johnny asshole came over and he stuck a stick in the front wheel of the bike, right? And everyone knows what happens. You can't stop it. You can't help the person. It's happening so fast. You just see the stick come around and hits the pegs on the front wheel. Bike starts to flip forward. Person goes flying, right? Like quarantine was when we realized someone put a stick in the wheel. Right, the past couple of years has been going around. Now it's like hitting the peg. Person still needs to fly off. The bike still needs to flip over. All these things still need to happen. But when the world becomes all topsy turvy, the powers that be always create a war because wars create jobs. Wars create money. Wars create needs. Mm -hmm. Right, and so you have disaffected youth who don't have prospects for jobs, education, all these things, because it is shown that these are all, most of the time they're just ways to keep people in control of the trap. And people are looking at like, kids are looking at video games for their outlet and crypto and all these things. And I've actually, I've actually been saying this for a couple of years. I said to my partner and my friends, like, you're gonna see there's gonna be a war that's gonna come. And this is going to be how everyone is, is drafted or given opportunities. Like the only opportunity is going to be military, be in the war or be working government or something like that in back in the States or in other places. And now, I mean, I haven't been tracking, but now there's like a, another war brewing. That's exactly what's happening. And I think that we're going to have this fact, fractional world of a new world that's being created and people that are looking to have all these communities and have all this love and, and sharing and everything like that. And then there's gonna be attempts to keep dragging it down to the old world. But <clears throat> I think that the biggest thing that came out of quarantine and everything like that was the realization by many people that humanity has gone off kilt and is just overboard. We can't, we can't deny that we're polluting the earth every day, all day long. We can't deny that people are dying from cancer and heart disease and all these things. And it's coming from pollution. We're polluting the earth, we're polluting our bodies. And we've come to a point where like the earth is, is like, hey, is, can, can everyone take a chill pill? Like, can everyone relax and like go home for two weeks? Not, not keep on fucking up the earth? Like, I felt like we got grounded and we got sent home and like the earth was like, oh, oh my God, I can breathe like for five seconds. And then, and then we came out of quarantine and we were like, oh, party, even harder than before. And uh, like, there's another brick wall coming. Like we didn't change. We didn't get better. We didn't make things better. 
like plant-based eating kind of increased. People were like a little more loving after a few months of quarantine. And then everyone kind of like reverted even full tilt max the other way. So I think that there will be a continued growth of this new, new world. And the people who are drawn to this vibration are going to be, are going to come people who aren't exposed to this and hear your podcast or, or see you, they're going to be attracted and they're going to make their journey into, into this other world of, of light and, and love. And the rest of the people are, are stuck in the old world are going to have to find their way. They either live and die in it, or they try to find and make a way to have it better. So I think that we are entering a fork in the road for humanity. And uh, the more that the old world stays fixed and firm and in, in trying to keep its power struggle and power hold of everything, the more it's going to crumble, but it's not going to be pretty. It's just not going to, it's not going to go well. And, um, it all depends on how you want to live. Do you want to live in that world and be there? Or do you want to venture off into something new and, and be a part of living freely? So that's kind of where I see the world going. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and to, to tie that back to, to vulnerability, um, stepping into that, that unknowing is, is something that, you know, a lot of people experience every single day um me personally just doing this podcast and stepping into you know oh i'm going to shoot this live you know how is this going to work out you know different things just a, a simple example um it, there's it's, it's a constant feeling of oh this is something new for me and it's that exploration and i think this is if you can tie that that feeling of instead of being oh it's uncomfortable and i'm, I'm scared and there's judgment what are other people going to think if you can reframe that to whatever calls to you personally um that is you feel is adventurous you know we're all we all have our, our different things whether that's an activity or uh, whether that's something creative whatever energy that comes to you in an activity that is exploration for you or is fun right that's likely new every time you do it there's always a new experience so i feel if you can relate all of your newness and all of your stepping into yourself um, to that, if that makes sense, um, instead of thinking of it from a, a, a judgment, because that's what it, what it always is, right? It's, it's new. I, I don't feel like I'm doing this. I don't feel like I'm good enough for this. And what are other people going to think? What if they see that I don't really know what I'm doing or I don't have my shit together? And the truth is that you inspire people when you're vulnerable and you're real. And it doesn't really matter honestly, what they think, whether it's good or bad, it's really how you see yourself. And yeah, the more that we can continue to all step into this together, um, the more that we can affect one another and the more that we can pull the, the masses, the, the, the herd, the more we can, the collective vibration um, and just live in, in a world, in a community. And, and I agree with you as far as both the, the two different worlds that are being created, the sport, um, and it's some people reference it as like the 3D and the, and the 5D Earth. Um, it's not really it doesn't really matter what it's labeled, but I I, I do believe that we're getting ready to we're we're already in the process of creating two different realities here on Earth, and I, and I believe the cryptocurrencies 
not the cryptos that we see today, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and everything with coin market cap. Um, they're, they're there and they're going to continue to evolve. But I think there's something more real that's coming through using blockchain. And I think it's going to create a sovereign economy that operates kind of on top of, kind of like we have like Web3 and Web2. I think we're going to have this new earth, so to speak, economy that operates on top of the old system, um, which provides complete sovereignty, transparency, and, and um, yeah, and to, to, to anyone that chooses to operate inside of that economy. Um, yeah, just, just uh, I guess a couple more wrap up questions. I know you mentioned, I usually ask like resources, you know, for people to, to study and obviously there's things they can take away from this conversation. Um, you mentioned The Alchemist as being mm-hmm. uh, a great book. Um, any other resources that you'd recommend? It could be a book, it could be maybe an exercise, maybe a breath work, mm-hmm. just something like short and simple that you could just kind of drop on someone that mm-hmm. would really affect their life. Well, I will share, I'll share my favorite book, uh, which is a book I read many, many, many years ago, and it's called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And it's based on the aphorism of as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And, uh, you know, thoughts are things. Uh, also, Napoleon Hill's, a lot of Napoleon Hill work uh, helped me a lot when I was coming out of my depression stage and really wanted to focus my willpower and drive. Other than that, um, my website, The Transcendental Man, will have all the resources and reading material that I I like to use, that I reference, that I really believe is something that if you were to read these books, you would have a firmer understanding of and grasp, and that goes live next month, uh, thetranscendentalman.com. And that's also where I focus on my, my training program. What I'm doing here is one-on-one with people. Um, and giving them those tools directly, like so we can take them back into their world. Um, but the As a Man Thinketh book has been something that's been with me for probably about 25 years, and it's something that I've gifted to many people. And it was the beginning of my journey, long before I even knew my journey had started. Um, you can you can read a book like this and just have these very simple and clear words that that really reach you and deep, deeply touch you. And when you start with the simple things, it's a lot easier. Um, people tend to get inundated with a lot of things like, oh, I need this and this and this and this and this and get lost, you know, get lost in the forest, on the trees. Um, but yoga, was also what saved my life. Um, my journey into yoga is, it was the path that, that led me out of my darkness and to see that all of the power that I have capable and, and at my disposal come from within and to give me a place of, of peace and a sense of understanding of my own self, my own sovereignty. So yoga, James Allen, Napoleon Hill, they're a good start. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to, I haven't read the James Allen, but Napoleon Hill, obviously, most uh-huh. people that know me that are known as yoga. So, um, yeah, yeah, powerful stuff. Um, and then is that the best place for people to find you? Transcendentalman.com or Transcendental, Transcendental Man on Instagram. And as always, we'll put everything in the, in the description uh, for the, the video.
video and the podcast um, for you guys to, to access more easily. Um, any anything else that you would like well, to share? Yeah, you can also find me in Miami at the Vegan Farmers Market every Saturday in Coconut Grove. <laughs> so for those people that just want to bump into me, you know, and have an opportunity, that's a good place to find me. Okay. Or here in Tulum. So say, how does that work when you're here? How does that work when I'm here? Well, <laughs> you'll find me. You'll find me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Awesome, brother. And I want to take this time to thank you and acknowledge you for all the work that you're doing and to see how you're on your ledge looking back and reaching down to people and sharing with people this state of vulnerability, which I know I'm sure it is for you, and to step into that power and, and to see that is admirable. Thank you. Appreciate you being here, man. Thanks. And thanks for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure. All right. And uh, thank you guys for listening, giving us your attention. Um, yeah, I like this. I like the in-person. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's beautiful. Um, and I, I had the inspiration yesterday when I, when I was here. I was like, everyone I'm talking to, everyone, most of the people that I'm interviewing are, um, are from Tulum or I've met in Tulum. And the people that I'm that aren't are inspired to come here because they're on the same the same frequency. And I'm feeling like it would be dope to have like a studio space mm-hmm. in Tulum and make this like a thing that when you know it's like a thing to do when you come to Tulum is like record this podcast where you're at on your journey. Uh, so yeah, kind of just feel into that more and see see what see what comes from that. But I think that'd be really cool. Um, thank you guys for all for for watching or listening. And uh, we'll put everything in the description as far as where to to connect with Kareem. And yeah, I hope you guys found some value and some meaning and some purpose uh, within yourself just from listening to us. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace and love.